0: To the podcast of the in Vineyard Church. This is a message by Denville Lee. So, we're in the middle of a series called Follow Me. And I shared last week that when I think of following Jesus, when I think of Follow Me, that it kind of looks like this. This is, this is how I kind of see it. It's kind of fuzzy, and sometimes there's no real clear direction, and it's a little confusing and I don't really understand certain details about what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to be a Christian, and... and And, and so I've, I've really just, just been going through the the gospels more and more and just asking the Lord, like, what does it mean to follow you? Like everyone has had an opinion on what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be doing this, this and that. And, and I've just been, been going through the scripture and what we've been doing is just looking at what, what Jesus really meant when he said, follow me. And my hope is that by the end of the series, this little fuzzy follow me will be a little bit clearer. And some of those circles will probably look like a beautiful pattern in some of our Lives. And, and, and we looked last week at some of the first times that Jesus used the term follow me. And we looked at what Jesus means when, when he said follow me. We looked at um, Matthew, verse, uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, where Jesus was walking by the sea. He, he saw some fishermen and he said, follow me. They left everything they had and they went and followed him. And many of us hold ourselves and other people. To that standard of following jesus right many of us kind of have this idea that this is how we make disciples this is how we get christians we, we just we just kind of walk up and we say hey um be a christian you know like have you received jesus like do you know jesus christ is your lord and savior um and then they would say yes or no mostly even as an atheist i used to tell people yes sometimes just so they would leave me alone um You know, so people ask like do you do you like do you know or this is my favorite one, do you know what's gonna happen to you when you die? Like, yeah, I'm gonna be dead. Like that's exactly what's gonna happen to me when I die, you know, And, and and some of these inventive ways that we just 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 kind of expect people to just um always come to this one time on the spot decision about following jesus but when we looked at that same story as it was told by luke so we said that matthew wrote to the jewish people and so when matthew wrote to the jewish people he was talking to people who already had a foundation in a big god right? So they, they they understood the pretext of who God was. But then when Luke writes, Luke writes to the Gentiles, which is you and me, who didn't have that entire huge history that we see captured in the Old Testament. So when Luke writes, um, Luke spells out a little bit more details in, in, in what he's saying. And then Luke tells us, well, Jesus didn't just come up on the shore and saw some people and said, follow me. And then they left. But here's what actually happened. He was by the sea and he was teaching. He was talking about the kingdom of God. And as he was talking about the kingdom of God, the fishermen were, were listening and they were, hearing. And then he engaged them a little bit. And then you guys remember the story we talked about last, last week, right? He told them to throw your nets over and they caught more fish. And then Peter, did you guys go and play the lottery last week after that? (laughs) The example we gave was that when, when Peter led over the net and he caught the bounty of fish and he brought it back in, Jesus told him, follow me. And I think that one of the pieces of the puzzle that we sometimes miss in that, is that he leaves the fish, he leaves the big catch that he just had. Like, and, and we, we compared it to, you know, going to the local grocery store, some guy whispers the, the lottery numbers in your ears and you play the lotto. And then when you win your 500 million, he says, all right, sell it, to, give it all to the poor and then come follow me. And some of us would probably shank him right there or something. Or whatever you guys do here in Miami, you know, but it'll be a struggle to then say, no, I just won my 500,000, kind sir. I will not give it away and follow you. But this is the position that Peter was in. But we see how it it is a progressive thing and, and that Jesus actually begins with the kingdom of God. And, and we talked a lot about the kingdom of God. My hope is that by the end of this series that we will understand what the kingdom of God is, like truly understand it, what it is, not just in our talk, but in our understanding. What is the kingdom of God? And I, I gave about 20 verses from, from the New Testament and about 10 from the Old Testament in, in explaining the priority of the kingdom of God. Why is the kingdom of God such an important thing to understand in all of this? Um, and I wanna dive a little bit more into that today. Last week, we had three points. We said that Jesus didn't begin with follow me. He actually began with the kingdom of God. And, and, and we saw that he begins with an explanation, right? Or, or a declaration of the kingdom. He begins with the, with the Old Testament hope of, of that. Oh, okay, cool. Um, he begins with, with the Old Testament hope of of, 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 of that the kingdom of God has come. This is what Jesus starts our preaching, right? And I, I remember reading through the gospels and I used to skip over all the kingdom stuff because I didn't understand what it meant. And I was trying to get to the real stuff. Like, where does he tell me what to do? Like, where does he tell me how to do life? But I kept running into to like the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And it's like, what does this really even mean? And, and I saw that it's there a bunch. Like every time Jesus talks, he's like, the kingdom of God is like this. Like you can't enter into the kingdom of God. Blessed, the kingdom of God is yours. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is within you. He, 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 all these things about the kingdom. And then, and then even after the, the, the resurrection, he comes back and, and he appears over the course of 40 days. And the only thing the Bible says that he taught was about the kingdom of God, right? He says he comes back and he teaches his disciples, not, not, not the proper doctrine. He didn't even tell them what, what was happening during the three days he told him about the kingdom of God. That's the context that he, he gave. And so we said, it begins with the explanation or the declaration of the kingdom of God. And then he demonstrates the kingdom of God. And, and that's where we, we come in with some of the things that we see. So it, it may be healing, right? It, it, it's peace, it's freedom. So he declares that the kingdom of God is here. Then he demonstrates the kingdom of God. And then he invites us into the kingdom of God, right? And so it, it's, it's, it's not this thing where Jesus just encounters you and says, gun to the head, what are you gonna do? Right? Like that is not the encounter that we we have here. He actually declares, he demonstrates, and then he invites. And so today I want to look at where is this thing actually going? Right? When Jesus says, follow me, like the question I ask is, I would ask is where are we going? I I think I think any prudent person, that's your first question. Where are we going? If someone comes to your house, they pull up in a car and they say, Hey, get in the car. Let's go. First question you ask is. Where, where are we going? You want to know where we're going? But when it comes to this stuff, we're just like, I'm just going to follow him. Like, just, and no one asked why. Why? Because that's what I was trained to do. That's what I was taught to do. Because it's greater faith if I have less information. It's not true. Faith, faith, faith is not about a lack of information, right? Our faith is an informed faith. Christianity is an informed faith. And and so we actually know where this thing is going. And so we have to understand what we're called into and the importance of understanding this. And for, for some of you who are wondering, why are we going through this? This is some fundamental Christianity stuff. I've been walking with the Lord for a thousand years. Why am I doing this again? I think it's really important to understand what you were called to. And if you understand what you were called to, then that's what you're going to call other people to right? If, once you understand what you were called to, that's a thing that you're going to call other people to. Whatever you believe that you were called into is what you're going to call others to. If you believe that you were called into a kingdom where everything is going to be fine and there's not going to be any problems and God, God is going to come and massage out all the kinks in your life, that's what you're going to invite people into. And then when you invite people into that, they're going to come and they're going to find that Jesus is not a masseuse and that he's not going to massage all the kings out of my life. And then all of a sudden you have people like who I was where this whole thing is probably a sham. This is probably a little cult. They're trying to take your money, run and hide because it's not true right? Um, and so, so it, it, we, we have to understand what this is. And we see precedence for this, right? Jesus says in, in, in John thirteen thirty four, he says, a new command I give to you, love one another just as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So he says, I've loved you, so therefore that's what you're going to give away. If you never receive the love of God, you can't give away the love of God. It's just, it's just really simple. And, and, and so first step one is to receive the love of God. Right? Because if you never receive that, it is impossible to give it away. Acts 3, verse 6, Peter and John at the gate call beautiful with, with the crippled man. Um, Peter said to him, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. So Peter says, I'm going to give you what I have. Like whatever it is I believe, whatever it is I stand for, that is what you're going to give to people. That is what you're going to invite others into. First uh, Corinthians eleven twenty three. Paul says in the giving of communion, he says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. So he says, I, I didn't create it. I didn't make it up. This is what I understood. This is what I received. And that is what I'm going to give to you. First John four nineteen. we love because he first loved us. Right? And, and, and we see this pattern here. And it's a beautiful pattern even within humanity because that's how humanity works. Hu- humanity is like a, a transference of life type of thing. Like Jesus does, or God, God does one thing in the beginning and it's, it just flows on for all of time. That's how life works, right? He breathed into Adam and now I'm here. Like he didn't breathe into like each of us, but he breathed into Adam and then we transferred it. So Adam gave what God gave to him. He gave it away, and then, and, and then you got saved, and then you came into the kingdom, and then when you get saved, whatever you believe that means, whatever that means to you, that's what you're gonna give away. That's, that's what you're gonna give, and, and, and so today, I, I wanna answer a, f- a few questions of like, why should we go with Jesus, right? Like, like why should I go with him? These are some of the, the, the questions that I believe that if some of you are ready to minister to, like today's generation, if you're ready to minister to to the 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 millennials of the day um because i believe that god's hand is really on this generation for something beautiful and for something wonderful and i'm investing my time into that i'm, I'm investing my finances i'm investing my prayers into that because i believe that, that that is what god is doing and 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 so why should even your your family like like those of you who have families who are not Christians? why should they go with with jesus why should they believe him like, what is it about him that they should, should go for? And, and in following him, for those of you who are already following him, why did you follow him? Why did you leave everything? Like, what is your understanding of what this means? And so I want to begin by dissecting three common misconceptions about following Jesus. All right, I'm going to kill three sacred cows on the altar today. and Sacrifice it to the Lord. All right, a common misconception, number one, about following Christ is that you'll become a better person. That's a common misconception, number one, that you'll become a better person. Now, this is, this is a really good one because I, 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 I think that there's precedence for this, right? Many people have the idea that when you become a Christian, that you'll become a better person. And the reason why they believe that is because traditionally when you become a Christian, you do become a better person. That, that's, that's just the natural outflow of, of following Jesus. Like you start to be transformed and then you start to treat people better. You start to love like you never loved. Like he, God loves you and you start to give that love away. That's a very natural outflow, but that's not the point. That's not the purpose. That's not what you're to call people into. That's not the, that's not the goal. Jesus never says, follow me and you'll be better. He never says, follow me and you will increasingly become a better person. That, that's not the goal. That is the outflow. And, and so when we popularize this idea that we become better people, what, what, what happens is we start to get grouped with all the other religions, And all of them just have a goal. So that's why people have this idea we we talked about before that all religions, it's like a mountain and they all sit around the base of the mountain and then we're all just trying to get a little better. We're all just, you know, the the Muslims and everybody. We're just climbing up this mountain and we all have the same God and eventually we're going to get to the top with our same God and we'll become better people and that is not true. And, and so if that is the purpose of following Jesus, if that's the thing that we're going after, we're popularizing an idea that puts us into the same place. And if we understand this to be the goal, then Christ is not the only way. Christ is not the only way to become a better person. And so Christianity is not about becoming a better person, though it is the outflow of Christianity. It is the outflow of following Christ that you become a better person, sacred count number one. Misconception number two about following Christ is that you will be without pain and without problems. right, right? For those of you who've been walking with the Lord for five minutes, like you say yes to Jesus, you walk out the door, you stub your toe, you bust your nose. Oh my gosh, this is not what I expected, right? Um, That is, it, it is not the purpose. It is not the point. It is not what he calls you into. Now, do things get better over time? Yes. If we pray for you, will you get healed? Yes. I'm not discredited in any of these things, but what I want to dive in today is I, I I want to kill those cows because it is very popular in our culture and it is not true. There's something much greater that God has called us to, and you will not give it away unless you have it. You, you, you will not say it. If you don't know it, you you will not give it if you don't believe it. And so this is the thing that causes us to, to beat up ourselves. Right? So, um, like something happens physically in your body, you get sick, you start to try to find the sin that got you there. Like, what did I do last that made me sick? Or something happened in your family or someone dies, like, oh my God, like it must, must be sin. Or we talked about the whole thing, like Katrina, like people were like, oh, it's because of the sin of Mardi Gras. Christians, Christians, like this is the sin of Mardi Gras. Like what, what God do you serve? This is not how this works. That's not how any of this works. You don't understand how, how this works. So, so it, it's, it's, not, it's not that you'll be pain-free and problem-free, right? That is not what the, the goal of this whole thing is, Sacred count number two. And then the third misconception about following Christ is that if I do this, I will get to heaven and live forever. And that is popular idea that must be sacrificed on the altar is that it is not primarily to get to heaven. And this one is very near and dear to me because again, it is true but it is not the thing that Jesus puts before us. It is something much greater. I'm getting some quest, pu- puzzled faces. Like, <laughs> this is, if that's not true, then what is? So it, it's, it's not primarily where we spend it- eternity. Jesus never enticed people to follow him in order to get into heaven. All these things are benefits of the kingdom, right? This is why we have to understand the kingdom of God. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm concerned a- about a people who are more passionate about eternal life with God than they are about spending their life right now with God. Like, I, I, I find that many Christians are excited about going to heaven. Like, that is the prize championing of our faith. Like, I'm going to go to heaven. And, and, and what is the purpose of being in heaven? I, I, think, I think that people would like to go to heaven even if God wasn't there. my god isn't there i just want to live forever and be happy like that's what heaven is and i think that that is the fallacy of dragging people in to get them to heaven because it doesn't create passion about the king of the kingdom all right we're going to get some of these puzzle look off your faces soon i promise guys god, like what so i'm not going to heaven no that's not what i'm saying this is okay if i said for instance you're going to go to heaven like you're going to get to heaven Hands down, are you still going to follow me? You guys remember in Exodus 33 where um, the, the, the Israelites made the golden calf and, 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 and God said, you know what, Moses? I'm going to send you into the land of the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hevites. I'm going to send you into the promised land. You can have the promised land. Go conquer it. It's yours, but I'm not coming with you. You guys, you, you guys remember that? God says, I'm not coming with you. I'm concerned that we will become a people who are not like Moses, who would say, if you're not going, I don't want to go. Moses knew something about the presence of God, that it was not about the promised land. It was about the God who was coming with him. This is, this is, that's what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that the primary purpose is not the promised land. Yes, you're going to get into the promised land, but if he's not there, I don't want to go. When I became a Christian, I didn't become a Christian because God was all powerful and that he could, he could as people used to say, snatch the breath out of me right? When I was in high school, that's what these told me. He could snatch the breath out of you. i like, okay, cool. You know, and I said, so, so now he's a bully, you know, but, but it's, it's not because he was powerful, but it's because he was loving. Like, I started to follow him because he, because he actually loved me. Like, I've, I've never just, just, just given anything and, and given my life to someone because they could lord over me it's because he actually loved me. And so this is, it's the king of the kingdom. This is the purpose of what we want to get. So what is, the, what is the payoff for following Jesus? What is the end game? And what is the benefit of following Jesus? If it's not to be a better person, if it's not to have a happy afterlife, and it's not, if it's not to be pain-free and problem-free, then what is the purpose? And, and if you're following along in your outline um, on, on, on that number one line, it says, following Jesus is an invitation into the kingdom of God. Following Jesus is an invitation into the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God, again, for those of you who, who, who haven't been here before or have never heard anyone teach about the kingdom, the kingdom of God is the rule of God. It is the reign of God. It is God's authority, right? It, it, it is God's lordship. Uh, last week, I, 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 I used the, the term God being in charge, right? The kingdom of God is God can be in charge. So when Jesus comes and he preaches the kingdom, he's saying God can be in charge of all of life. So he says, the kingdom of God is like this. If, if you receive the kingdom of God, God can be in charge. Now, that will only be appetizing if the God that's going to be in charge is a God of love. Right? So he says, this loving God who loves you, who cares for you, who created everything, he can be in charge of all of life. And, and so I want to look at this from um, Mark chapter 10. This is the story of of the rich young ruler, right? Um, as Jesus started on his way, I'm start from verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his, his knees before him. "Good teacher," he asked, "what must I do to inherit eternal life?" Picture the kingdom of God. Says, so I used the whole idea of my rules in my house, right? Um, my house, my rules. If I go in my van it's still my rules, right? The, the rules that are in my house, they happen with me when they're with my family, wherever I go, they're still my rules, right? My, my sons can't hit each other. That's the rules of my house, right? You, you can't punch your brother in the face. And so if we now go to a hotel somewhere, you still can't punch him in the face because that's my rule. So that's my kingdom. My, my kingdom is my rule. It's my authority and et cetera. Um, if I can give you an, another picture to look at the kingdom of God by, let's look at the kingdom of God like a pie, right? Like a whole pie, and, and the pieces of this pie are some of these wonderful things that we love, right? Like eternity, I get to spend eternity with God. That's a piece of the pie. The healing, the, the problem-free, pain-free, that's a piece of the pie, right? There's all these benefits of the kingdom. Like we talked about last week, the Old Testament promise of the kingdom. What the, when Jesus came, he was talking to people who knew about the kingdom of God. So when Jesus came and he said the kingdom of God, the reason why it's not defined in your Bible is because the people who he was talking to knew exactly what he meant they didn't have to ask him, well, what, do you, what is this kingdom of God you speak of? They already knew. They had a whole history about what the kingdom of God was. And so their expectation of the kingdom of God is that we're gonna get into the promised land and we're gonna have a good king. And this good king is gonna give me a land for free. Every man is gonna have his vineyard. I'm gonna have my own veranda. I'm gonna have my own field. I'm gonna drink wine every day. I'm gonna live forever, pain-free, problem-free, and, and heaven, for, I'm, I, it's never gonna end. And to his kingdom, there, there shall be no end. It is the good life forever. That is what they were looking for. So when Jesus came, they expected him to conquer the Roman Empire because this was the one thorn that was in their side. And so if you conquer the Roman Empire, now we're getting into the kingdom. Now I, I, I can get my parcel of land, right? All right, Jesus, so go and conquer the Roman Empire and let's start building this kingdom thing. And then Jesus says, that's not the kind of kingdom I, I'm, I'm coming to build. That's not the type of kingdom that I'm talking about. So this kingdom pie has many different facets. Whatever it is you're looking for in heaven. Right? If, if you have an idea that when you get to heaven, it's gonna be like this, then that's your piece of the pie, right? No more death, no, no more weeping, no more crying, no more dying. The old things have passed away. The new things have come. There's no more problems. My, 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 my family loves me. No one hates me. Like I feel good. Like that's whatever that piece of the pie is. What this rich young ruler is doing, verse 18, Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one good, No one is good except God alone. Verse 19, you know the commandments. You you should not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal give false testimony and you shall not defraud and honor your mother and father. Teacher, he declared, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. If you're in your Bible, I want you to circle that. Like Jesus looked at him and loved him. And Jesus says, one thing you've lacked, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God? Now, w- the emphasis I want to put here is that the man is asking for eternal life. And then Jesus says, all right, if you want eternal life, this is, these are the things you've got to do. He says, well, I've done those things. Said, all right, great. Now, if you're ready to move beyond eternal life, if, if you're ready to get over this piece of the pie that you're after, go sell everything that you have and then come and follow me because the rest of the pie is more than eternal life. And that's why in verse 23, he says, look around, it is hard for a rich man not to have eternal life, but to enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus' response is not about eternal life. His response is about the kingdom of God. Now, it, it may, you may have two ideas of this, that Jesus is really confused. He must have misheard what the man said. He's asking about eternal life. Jesus is answering the, the kingdom of God. Or you may have an idea that the kingdom of God is eternal life. But if, if, if you can hear the message from last week, you'll see that the kingdom of God is not eternal life. That's not what anyone thinks of when they think of the kingdom of God, because it would not make sense for the disciples to ask Jesus, are you now going to bring the kingdom of God? Like, are you not going to bring the kingdom of God? The, the kingdom of God expectation is so much bigger than that. So we see the priority is more than eternal life. It is the kingdom of God, a place where God is in charge. And what the rich young ruler wanted was a piece of the pie. He wanted a piece of the pie. He just, he, he, he just wanted a little piece, but he didn't, want, he didn't want God to be in charge of everything. He says, you can have my good behavior, but you can't have my money. So I won't kill. I won't steal. I won't do all these things. But the rest of me, you can't have that God. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is God being in charge of every area of your life. That is the kingdom of God. That's what heaven is about. Heaven is about God being in charge of every single area of your life. And so when Jesus comes, might be getting ahead of myself, but that's okay. So when Jesus comes, Jesus says, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, this is what you have to do. You've got to die, take up your cross, follow me, do what I do. Look at, how I'm, look, at how, look at how God is ruling every area of my life. This is what following Jesus looks like, right? I mean, I get to the rest of this, but li- listen, this is what following Jesus looks like. You follow Jesus and you look at how he does life. Look at how God is in charge of everything he does. He says, I don't do anything unless I see the father doing it. Everything I see God do, that's what I do. Like, why are you eating with sinners? Because God loves sinners and I'm eating with them. The Pharisees ask, why, why is he healing? Because this is what God is doing. He's ruling every area of my life. Then he gets into the garden and he says, all right, now drink, drink this cup. He says, Father, why should I drink this cup? If not my will, but yours be done. I'm doing everything I see God doing. God being in charge of every single area of your life. That is the kingdom of God. That is the kingdom mindset that we ought to think of. Now, everyone has this idea that the kingdom of heaven happens when you die. So like when I die, I get to go to this special place called heaven and in this special place called heaven, then everything is gonna be okay. But Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is not about where you die and go to. It it is about the the place that while you're living, you choose to deny yourself and and you die to self while you're still alive and you experience this kingdom. All right, (laughs) if you got that. Let me make this a little easier. I I said once that the kingdom of God is not about where you die to to go. What was it? If, 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 If death is the thing that gets you into the kingdom of God, then death is your savior. Then you're waiting for death before you can experience the kingdom. That is not the measure of what God is talking about. The measure is even while you're still alive, you don't have to wait until you die before you get to experience the love of God. You don't have to wait until you die before you experience the full measure of God's kingdom in a certain type of way. And if that's what you're waiting for, then death is your savior and not Jesus. Because Jesus comes to bring the realness of the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is talking about an experience. Jesus is talking about experience. And Number two, if you're following along, follow me is an invitation into discipleship. And discipleship is, is so when, when when people say you know to become a Christian and then you become a better person, right? Um, discipleship, I, I I think is kind of what we mean to say, right? Discipleship. Discipleship looks like this. Um, so we we see where Jesus Jesus goes and he he calls people to follow him, right? If if, if you go to John chapter one, John the Baptist has disciples right? John the Baptist has disciples, and, and John the Baptist is teaching his disciples what? Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's what John the Baptist is teaching his disciples. And then Jesus comes on the shore, and then he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That is the man I'm talking about. I've, I've been telling you about the kingdom. It's just like you guys. If, if I've been talking about the kingdom every day, I'm talking about the kingdom. I'm saying, repent, because the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is coming guys, the kingdom is coming. Listen, stop what you, the, king, the kingdom is coming. Sell what you have, the kingdom is coming. Don't give in to sin, the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is coming, the kingdom is coming. And then all of a sudden, we go outside and say, hey, that's the man I'm talking about right there. All of you have an understanding of what I mean. And so when John says, follow him, he's not saying to follow a stranger. He said, follow the man who I've been teaching you about this kingdom, that is him. And then they start to, to, to follow Jesus. And in, 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 John, in John chapter one, verse 35 um, when, when, G, when John was there again with two of his disciples and when they saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, it's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the, of the world, right? And then if, if we jump down to verse 39 um, or 38, Jesus is walking. Now the disciples are following him. And then Jesus turns around and asks his disciples, what do you want? Follow me here. John the Baptist is telling his disciples about the kingdom of God and the king that's coming. He points to Jesus and he says, this is the man I've been telling you about. They start to follow him. Jesus doesn't turn around and say, finally, I'm getting some people. Like it's finally happening. I'm finally getting a little following. He turns around and he says, what do you want? This is, this is, this is, this is less than the so kind Jesus. So what what do you want, Andrew and John? Why are you following me? And he immediately checks their motives. What is, what is it that you're after? And I ask the same to you today. And I believe that the Lord would ask the same. What do you want? What, what, what is it that you want? Why, why, why are you here? Why are you doing this whole Christian thing? Why? why? What do you want? What is it that you think you're going to get eventually? I, I, I find that for many who I know in my personal circle, friends, I just want to go to heaven someday. They replied, Rabbi, where are you staying? I said, we just want to be with you. And he replied, come and you'll see. And they spent the day with him. And this is about experiencing and encountering God. Jesus doesn't immediately tell them where He's going. He, he doesn't he, he, Following Jesus is not about any of those particulars. When, when Jesus calls people to follow Him, He calls them to himself. It is about Him. If you're not excited about Jesus, I'll tell you like I told some of the youth, when I used to be the youth pastor, is that if you're following Jesus for any other reason, then stop. Regroup because if you're not passionate about the king my my fear is that one day you'll be excited to go to a heaven regardless of who's there as long as you get to live forever as as long as I never die oh Jesus is going to be there? great He, he sounded like a nice guy in the book but this whole thing has to come from a passion about Jesus if you're not passionate about Jesus, then, then what I want to invite you to do is to maybe just take a step back and just give, give yourself a little clarity to breathe and just say, look, like, like I, I've shared many times, my, the most honest prayer, the most transformative prayer that I've ever prayed in my whole life. Remember, it, Jesus, I don't love you. I, I sing the songs and, and I was a worship leader at the time. So I was singing all the songs about how I love Jesus. And, and I was like, I don't really love you. I, if I really am honest with myself, I wanted to go to a heaven regardless of who was there. I just didn't want to die. And then we see that when Jesus goes and he finds Philip, right? So Philip is not one of the two who Jesus says, come and see, right? Um, Philip is found later on. But when Philip goes and finds Nathanael, Philip tells him, come and see. Come and, Just come and experience him. Don't, don't, don't give in to the things you're hearing. Don't, don't give in to the mantra. Just come and see for yourself. Give yourself an opportunity to experience God because the experience will keep you. The experience of God will keep you. If someone can convince you into Christianity, then the devil can convince you out of Christianity. Or any good atheist can convince you out of it. If it was the information that got you in, information will also pull you out. But Jesus says, come and see. There's, there's an experience to be had. There's so much more than, 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 than the information that you've been given. He says, come and see because there's something more. And, and we see that discipleship is, is not just about how you, you follow. And, and, and that's number two. Follow me is an invitation into discipleship. Right? It is an invitation into discipleship. And so on the third day, this is John 2. So Jesus gets all of his disciples. right? He, he gets all these people who are following him. He says they followed him. They went with, with him or whatever. And then in, in John 2, the very next thing you see is they go to a wedding. And then at the wedding, the Bible says that now he went to the wedding with his disciples. right? Uh, John 2, verse 2. Jesus and his disciples had been invited to the wedding they went from being just people, John's disciples, and, and now they're Jesus's disciples. What, ha, what, what changed? What, what changed? What, how were they now disciples of Christ? They went with him, they spent time with him, and they started to get to know him. They gave themselves an opportunity to him. It wasn't that they started to follow all the rules that he gave. They didn't become better people, right? There, there's no mention of where he, he, he promises heaven they were like, we, we just want to follow this man. We just want to learn from this man. We just want to be like this man. I wish I could be that gentle. I wish I could be, the, I, I wish I could just be that. Even, i give a little confession. As, before I became a Christian, um, I used to dislike Christians more, I disliked, more than I dislike Christ. I, I, I remember I, I would study the Bible and I would read about Jesus. And I said, you know what? Like I like him. Like he he seems to be a really nice guy. You know, Um, his claims are a little outrageous, but he seems to be a really nice guy. One of my atheist friends asked me the other day, "What if you find out that Jesus Christ is not God one day?" Like like, what if something happens and you find out that Jesus is not God? It's like, man, I still can't think of anyone better who I want to be like. I I still can't think of it. I I just there's something about this man. There's something about this man that at the end of my life, I will have zero regrets. And, if, and, and this is a this is place that I'm saying that if you're not falling in love with who Jesus is, this is the purpose of this. That is what this is about. I don't want to tell you how to follow the rules better. I don't want to tell you how to become better Christians. I, I, as, as your pastor, I, 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 I care but I don't care in the way that you think I care if you become better people, right? Everyone is nice on Sundays. You know, you guys put on your nice clothes and, 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 and you get really nice to be here. And, 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 I, and I don't know what goes on during the week. But if, if you're not falling in love with Jesus, then my job is ineffective. Many, many, many people, and, and, and you all probably have encountered this, where some of your friends will say things like, well, that's not very Christian-like. You just spoke to me that way. You just said this thing to me. That's not, that's not very Christ-like. You know, these are people who don't even follow Jesus. They're not even Christians, right? And, and they're trying to define your Christianity for you, right? Someone finds out that you're good. well, uh, if you were a Christian, you wouldn't be X, Y, and Z. Like, oh, you're, you're, you're saying these things. Oh, you just cursed. You said the S word. I thought you were a Christian. And then we start to buy into that. Maybe I'm not a good Christian. Maybe you're right. Maybe he's right. Maybe I just, I just said this thing. I just had this thing. Maybe I'm not a good Christian. I start to, and we start to beat ourselves up. And that is not what I, I, I pray that you become better. I pray that you have eternal. I, I pray all this. But my thing is that we, if you're not falling more in love with God, are you, are you falling? This is, this is the measure. This is the one measure. If, if you're sleeping, wake up, listen to this. There is one measure. There's only one measure measure for how well you're following. Are you falling more in love with God? Are you falling more in love with him? Because if you are, then what's happening is you're receiving his love for you and it's making more sense and and it's getting into your bones and you're starting to understand that he loves you. And the only thing that's gonna make you love God more is you understanding that he loves you. And and, and, and so you start, are, are you falling more in love with God? I, it, it, I'm not asking if, it, are, are you willing to come to church every Sunday? Are you willing to give 10% of your offerings? Are you willing to do this devotional? I, 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 w- I would love to tell you that that is what I want to do as a pastor of this church. And all those things are necessary. All those things are great. Please keep on doing them. But what I'm telling you is that if you're not falling in love with Jesus, I am way more concerned about this. Are you falling in love with God? This, this is This is my effort. That you would fall in love with God. I don't know where I am now. It doesn't matter. (laughs) You're in Doral. Jesus says about being his 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 disciple. John John eight thirty one. To the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, if you hold my teaching, then you're really my disciples, and then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you keep to my teaching, right? So I, I was taught that to be a disciple of Jesus, that I needed to follow everything he taught, and then after I followed everything he taught, then I'll be a disciple. The moment I stop following everything that Jesus taught, then I'm no longer a disciple of Jesus. Jesus says, if you keep to my teaching, and, 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 and then you will know the truth, and then the truth will set you free. And then I came, and, and I started to become a part of a, a, a circle yeah, I'll leave it at that, a circle. And, and then their, their thought was, if I can get you free, then you will follow Jesus. Then, then you'll start to get this teaching. And, but, but Jesus says, no, if you hold to my teaching, then you'll know truth and then you'll get free. He never says you need to get free and then you'll know truth and then you follow my teaching. Do you guys follow? He says, hold to the teaching. Hold to the teaching. Hold to the teaching. When, when Jesus speaks... I'll, I'll end with this. When, 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 when Jesus speaks, he is not just given information. Um, if you have your Bible, go to Matthew 5. I'm going to quickly take you through the discourse of the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to go through the entire Sermon on the Mount in less than five minutes. I did this whole thing where, where I, I dictated the entire Bible, it could ask the youth, the entire Bible, every book, book by book, did the entire Bible discourse in less than 10 minutes. The, the, the entire Bible. I speak really fast, so it's not fair. Um, so, so the disciples are not primarily learning rules from Jesus, right? So as followers of Christ, he's not speaking, and then they're learning information, and then they're following the information, and then they're becoming better people. This is, this is, this is, to, total, this is to totally discredit the divinity of Christ, Right? When, when Jesus comes and John, John 6, where Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, then you have no part with me. Do you guys remember that? So all these people were following Jesus and, and everyone was excited about like, ah oh, we are going to get eternal life. We're going to live forever. I'm going to get my vineyard. Come follow this, this guy. He'll, he'll heal your mother-in-law. He'll heal you. If you die, he'll raise you back up. You need to be where this guy is. And then Jesus turns around and says, Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood and become one with me, unless you love me and follow me. Like, they were like, Whoa, too much. Too much. I love the other stuff. I, I love the bread you gave me. That, 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 that was good. I love the healing. I love the resurrection. That was pretty cool. You turned the water into wine. That was kind of mystical. Um, you say some things I don't really understand. That makes you even more interesting because you're probably smarter than me. So that's really cool, too. But now you're telling me to eat you and become one with you and, and, and ingest you. And that is just way too much for me. And, and it and it's said that they all left him, that they all left him alone because he was no longer their, their, their king. This takes us back to what I'm saying that will we become a people who are going to leave Jesus once he, he no longer gives us the benefit? It, right? Are, are we going to be like those who said, You can have the promised land, but I'm not going to go with you? And we will say, Thank you for the promised land. You stay over there, God. Now I can live by my own rules in the land of Canaan. Right? And so in, 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 in John 6, don't turn your Bible there. Just, just look it up, up here. John, John 6, verse 63 Jesus says, The spirit gives life, and the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are full of spirit and are full of life right? Um, if, if, if you did turn there, like circle that, like take, write that down, right? Write that scripture down. John six sixty three. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken. Everyone say the words he has spoken. Say they are full of the spirit and they are full of life. The words that Jesus speaks, you got to get this. You gotta let this dig deep into you. When Jesus is speaking, he is not giving you mere information. Matthew 5. Matthew 5, 21. Jesus talking about murder. He says, But I tell you, anyone who is angry with, with his brother or sister is subject to judgment. How many of you have been angry with, with your brother or sister in the past 20 months? You're subject to judgment. All right, so we read these, so we read these things, right? We read these things and then we say, all right, so in order for me to not be a bad Christian, I need to be a better Christian. So when I get angry, I need to like not be angry. It's like, Denville, don't be angry, don't be angry, don't be angry. Jesus said so, Jesus said so, Jesus said so, don't be angry. I, I'm, I'm a disciple, I need to follow what Jesus is saying, so let me just tr- do my best to try to follow this, right? Um, Matthew 5, 27, he talks about adultery. I'm not going to have you raise your hand, don't worry. But I tell you, anyone, <laughs> But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart, right? It's like, okay, well, don't look, just don't look, blinders, just don't look dude, if you see me looking, nudge me. Just tell me, I don't want to look because I don't want to be an adulterer, right? So Jesus, Jesus takes the Old Testament rules where they're like, all right, it's just if you like fornicate with someone else, that's adultery. Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm going to take it and I'm going to elevate it. I'm going to make it even harder. Like, how do you like that for rules? You like your Old Testament rules? Here it is. If you even look, it's harder. Try to follow that. If you're even mad, you think that if you get a knife and stab someone, that's that's murder. If you're mad at them, same thing as murder. Go try to follow that. I dare you. Try to do it. And then if you don't do it, I, judgment. I, I want you to damn yourself if you don't follow those rules. Go ahead, try it. I dare you. So 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 Jesus makes it even harder. This was really confusing for me, right? Matthew five thirty one, divorce. Says I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her a victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Dare you go? Go ahead, follow that. You get a divorce because someone is beating you. You get a divorce rightfully. You you better stay single for the for the rest of your life because that's judgment number one. So you better be without love. You better be loveless forever. Be lonely get 20 cats <laughs> because that's what Jesus said to do. Follow it. Matthew 5, 33. Do not break your oath. <laughs> oaths, credit card bills. You got to pay those. You sign the line. You, you got your credit. You do not break your oath. You promised you would pay them. Foreclosure, oaths. Well, no, he was talking about like, you know, you promised someone. and No, those are oaths. <laughs> those are real oaths. You can't break those oaths. Pay your credit card bills, all right? It says, verse 34, do not swear at, do not swear at all. Go, go ahead, try to follow that. Matthew 5, 38, do not resist an evil person. These empty chairs, just, people aren't there because they're resisting people, whatever. Do not resist an evil person. You're mad with someone? Like, I'm not going to go to that church anymore because she didn't like my dress. You know, like, like I'm not going to be your friend anymore. Or like your neighbor. Like, ah, this, I hate my neighbor. He does the X, Y, and Z. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look outside to see if he's there before I go out there. Some people do it. The people who are laughing are like, that's me, that's me, I do that. No, I'm totally fine, that's not you, right? So do not, do not resist any person. Matthew 5, 38, um, do not resist any person. Uh, verse, thir- verse verse 42, give to the one who asks you. I dare you. And if you don't do it, you're not following Jesus. These are all the things that Jesus says. In Matthew 5, 43, love for your enemies. I tell you, uh, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And if you don't, you're not following Jesus, someone's gonna take this recording, like splice it. Like Denvil said, <laughs> Denvil said, all right, he, here's, here's, here's my point. When when Jesus says these things, his words are not instructions that he's given you. His his words are full of spirit and they're full of life. When Jesus is speaking to you. If all you're here to get is information so you can get to heaven and be a better person and be pain-free, problem-free, if that's what you're after, all you will hear is information that you now have to follow. That's all you'll hear. But, but Jesus says, John, 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 six, John 6, verse 60, Jesus says, the words that I speak are full of life and, and their are spirit. When Jesus speaks, he's not given information. He's given an impartation. He's, ra- he, he's, he's raising the standard of the law because he's raising the standard of your character. The impartation raises the standard of who you are. And so if all you're hearing are words, he's raised the standard, but you're still where you are. If all you think he's doing, he's just slapping red on some words and making them spiritual, then you've missed the point. For those of you who don't have a Bible, some of his words are read, whatever. All right. So that, you're missing the, the, the point. But the purpose is that when he speaks these things, he's raising up a standard inside of you to be able to do them. So he says, if, if you look at another person who's not your wife, then you've committed adultery. That just in, it gets into you and, it, and it's like, oh man, like it, it, it just starts to, to do something inside of you spiritually that it has to bypass your mind, get into your ears, move down to your heart and it starts to transform who you are. It transforms your very being. So Jesus's words are not just information, they're impartation, they're spirit words. They're coming into you and they are changing you and as they change you, you'll find yourself like you'll glance but not even stare at You'll find yourself making better decisions. That's what I said. The process is you eventually become a better person, but that's not the point. If that's what you're after, all you'll hear is information. So I know many people, I used to be one, who tore this thing apart. Get all the information. Get all the information you can. Get all the information you can, and then when you don't follow them, lock yourself in a room and cry about how you're not a Christian anymore. And then when other people don't follow them, ooh, Yeah. When when you read this book and other people don't follow them, you need to come to the pastor and say, pastor, he's not playing the game right. He's not playing the game. He's he's not doing the stuff that's in the red letters because you think that there's still information. It's not just information that Jesus is, is, is given. John 60, verse 63, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are full of spirit and they're full of life. He didn't say they're full of information. He said they're full of spirit and they're full of life. It's it's giving you life. It's changing your life. When he says things, it is getting into you and it is changing you. You can't see it. It bypasses your brain completely. That's how real change happens. That's how you really start to fall in love with God. Like real deal. This is real deal Christianity. I was having lunch with a friend. I told him, listen, I have come too far to pretend any of this is real if it's not. I've come too far. I've done too much. I will not pretend any of this. Either it's real or it's not. I have heard the words of Jesus. And for those of you in this room who've known me, uh, Jade, again, known me when I was not a Christian. I met a woman yesterday who remembered me when I was 16 years old. I used to be at a grocery store bagging her groceries. She knew me then. And I saw her yesterday. She goes, oh, my gosh. I, I, you remember, I used to tell you. I used to speak to you and say, there's, there's something more that's in your life. But she knew me. She, 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 she knew who I was. And I have some friends who knew me. They, they knew who I was. I, uh, I've, I've had services where there have been people who've come to church who knew me before I was a Christian. They knew me when I was like 16 or 17. They knew some of the things I did. Some people have come into this man. Some people have come into this church who have been at the hands of some of the terrible things that I've done. And they've come in and they see me behind this pulpit and my heart says, oh my gosh, they, they're going to reveal me. They're going to know the truth about me. But the, but the real deal is that I have heard the words of Christ and my heart has been transformed. And that is real. I'm not pretending that this is, I'm not trying to follow these rules. It is an impartation and the impartation brings the transformation that you want. God actually wants to make you into the thing that you're pretending to be if you stop pretending. He will actually do the very thing that is on your heart if you let him. The only reason you won't let him is because you think they're instructive and you think that they're rules to follow. He says they're spirit words and they give life and they raise your standard. So the standard of the law is risen and the standard of man is risen. That's what Jesus does. Jesus 101. That's what Jesus does. Lastly, i give you this last point. Following Jesus is an invitation to live fearlessly. And, and that's, that's it. Matthew 10, 36, Jesus says, this is his disciples. He gathers them together. He gives them spirit words. He makes them stronger. He, he's, he's speaking to them, right? This is, this is why you meet people who are Christians and they're like, oh, my house is in foreclosure. I just lost my job, but I'm doing fine. God is good. Praise him. It's like, what is wrong with you? You lunatic, Every, your, your life has fallen apart. I said, like, no, 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 The words of life, they've changed me. Like I look at these things, like Jade was, uh, either Jamie or, or, or Jade was saying the persecution. It's like, I count it as a blessing when I'm persecuted. You lunatic, what has happened? Why are you so excited about this? Because the standard has been risen, but my standard has also risen. I don't see this life the same way anymore because the standard of man has risen. People have tried to destroy me, and they did not destroy me. And the reason why I'm not mad at them, it's not because I'm crazy. It's not because I'm trying to go to heaven. It's that like when God spoke those words into me, he rose my standard along with the word, and something inside of me changed. That's why I don't hate my enemies. That's, that's why I thank those who persecute me. Not because Jesus said so, and I'm, I'm trying to or I have to that when he spoke them, I received them and something happened inside of me and my standard was lifted and changed. Matthew 10, 16, I'm sending you out like sheep amongst the wolf. Therefore, be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. These are disciples who've chosen to follow Jesus. They've given everything they have. He's saying, listen, guys, this was what's going to happen. I, I, I know you think it's going to be pain-free and problem-free, but, but here it is. You're going to be handed over to the local councils Flogged in the synagogues, on my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings and to witness to the Gentiles. Verse 19, when they arrest you, when they arrest you, they're going to arrest you. Some people would have turned around and hightailed, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> they're not going to arrest me. So when they arrest you, don't worry about what you will say. I've, 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 I've arrested hundreds of people. Not once has anyone been like, I wonder what I'm going to say. No one has ever been like, hey, dog, what should I tell them? It's like, you know what to say when you get arrested. I didn't do it. Help. This is, this is what, you, what you say. You lie as much as you can, right? So, but verse 9 says, don't worry about what to say. The disciples are like, I'm not worried about what to say. I'm arrested. I'm, I'm going to jail. This is, I don't care what to say. It says, but, but at the time you'll be given what to say. For it'll not be you speaking but the spirit of your father speaking through you. So, so a pre-believer, I read this and I said, if your God is so good, why would he even let you get arrested? Why wouldn't the spirit come before the arrest, cause you to not get arrested? Because I was taught that it was pain-free, problem-free. I was taught that this whole thing is about not having problems and not having pain and not undergoing persecution. That, that was the mantra of Christianity. But Jesus says, when they arrest you, when the persecution comes, when these things start to happen, here is what you ought to do. Don't be afraid. Now, when he says, don't be afraid, again, not a law for you to have. You guys got to understand this. Someone can't tell you, don't be afraid. And you're like, oh, well, I'm going to make that choice today. I'm going to not be afraid. That's not a choice that you can make. Spirit words. He's saying, don't be afraid. Something comes out of his mouth and it comes into your spirit and you get a little bit more brave about your life. These are not instructions that he's given. These are words that he's speaking into you. Why? Because I know for sure that no one can say, hey, don't be afraid. And you're like, oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. I'm not gonna be afraid. Like here I am being afraid. All I needed was for you to tell me not to be afraid. Like <laughs> stupid duh, I was being afraid because I didn't know. It's not that's not why people are afraid. It's something internal that's inside of you that makes you quiver. When you hear about some of the, the, the atrocities overseas, they're they're cutting off the heads of Christians and feel like I hope they don't come over here with that. And I say, Don't be afraid, you're like, oh, okay. No, but when Jesus speaks these words, he's speaking something into you and he's saying, don't be afraid. And it's like the breath of God whoo, and he gives you courage. It's like it's, it's the word of God that comes and it changes you. So Jesus isn't crazy by telling them to not be afraid. He's changing them. He's changing them. They're changing right before they're, he, they're, they're, they're changing. There's a seed that's being planted inside of them. First John four eighteen. there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. He starts to love you you start to receive it. You start to not be afraid. Fear just starts to go. So I don't have to try to conquer fear. I have to talk myself into it. You know, cross your fingers, you cross your eyes, or you close them, whatever. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Like that's magic. Or, or, or my wife and I call it Christian magic, right? It's just, it, it, it's, it's, not, it, it's not what Jesus is saying to do. Verse 21, brother will betray brother to death. And father, children, children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You'll be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Not, not an instruction. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And, 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 he, and he goes on and on. You got, you got to read it. Verse 26, he says, so do not be afraid of them. Right, he's given them life as they go along. So this is transformation, and and the purpose of this transformation is to receive the kingdom of God. I'm ask the worship team to come back up, please. So where is this headed? Where is this going? Jesus says, "Follow me." Right, he he meets you somewhere in life. He says, "Hey, come and follow me." Where where is this going? What is this turning into? What is the journey? Are we going to Jerusalem? Are we going to travel throughout Judea? Where is this whole thing going? And Jesus would say, this is going into the kingdom of God because here's what's going to happen. I'm going to change you and transform you. Don't be distracted. Listen, I'm going to change you and and I'm going to transform you to such a degree that you will live a life where God can be in charge. That is the kingdom of God. God being in charge of every area of your life. The reason why God is not in charge of every area of your life, largely fear. Largely fear. I speak as a personal witness, as one who has met many people, who throw their lives into ruin, people who don't live their lives for God. It's not because they hate God. It's because they're still afraid. And if you're afraid, my instruction to you is not, don't be afraid go follow that. My instruction to you is come, let the Lord speak these words to you. When the Lord speaks these words to you, it's so much better than when I tell them to you. Because when he speaks them, They have power. They have life. It's something that comes into your ears and and it moves down and it gets into your heart and it changes who you are, the structure. It it, it restructures you and you start to walk with a a lot more courage than you did before. The purpose of this is that you would receive the kingdom of God. We hope you enjoyed this message from the Doral Vineyard Church by Denville Leaves. For more information, please visit us at DoralVineyard.org.